Welcome to Tree Dog Tuesday, only on the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Tree Dog Tuesday, and today we're going to have a good show. It's going to be fun. We are going to discuss man-made dogs. Uh, We're going to talk a couple listener questions. Uh, It's going to be good. Maybe even talk a little dog food. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk Joy High Energy 2420 one of our most popular formulas and a fantastic formula for that working dog. We're talking added pumpkin meal for sensitive stomachs, increased available calcium, more magnesium for quick muscle repair, a whopping 505 calories per cup. Of course, like with all of our formulas, we have omega-3 and 6 fatty acids for healthy skin and coat, glucosamine, chondroitin, all the proteins are 97% digestible. That's important. And here is the most important part for me. Joy High Energy 2420 is formulated with 100% American ingredients. Joy has been around since 1945, one of the oldest dog food companies in the U.S. We know what we're doing, and we love fueling working dogs. So, Go to joydogfood.com or call 1-800-245-4125 to get your hard-working animal fueled by Joy High Energy 2420. Happy Independence Day, 4th of July. Uh, Thanks for joining us on one of the best holidays of the year. I hope everybody's still got all their fingers when they're listening to this. I know some fireworks have been going off this week. But, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about this show. Uh, I'm going to touch on the subject of man-made coon hounds, uh, if there is such a thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I would classify them all as man-made coon hounds because we all do a little training. And, yes, there are some dogs that are naturally better than others, just like people in sports. But... Uh, there are some that are even more man-made with less talent and i'm not opposed to them like most people are i am opposed to dishonesty about them but uh, being able to manipulate a dog and correct a dog is a fantastic genetic trait because they don't all have it Uh, so that ability to uh, use a stimulation on a dog through the collar or physical correction of some kind and that dog to learn from that and operate better from that, especially in our sport, in the sport of uh, free casting dogs and not knowing exactly what's going on except by what we hear and what we see on a tracking device. So it's important to be able to correct that dog and that that dog knows what you want out of it. They're not all like that. So uh, trainability, uh, from my standpoint, is one of, if not the most important factors in getting a pup uh, in off, of, off of a stud dog, for instance. Now, there are some instances where someone is promoting a stud dog and they talk about all its natural ability and they've 
manipulated that dog a little more than most people would like. Uh, so maybe there's some dishonesty there, and I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's okay to to mold that dog into what you want, and it's definitely okay for that dog to pass that trait and ability onto its pups. Uh, I've had some dogs that uh, would sulk up and pout if you corrected on them. Um, I've had some that the correction didn't work because they were so hard-headed. Both of those are are genetic traits at times too. Not always the the softness. The dog, a soft dog, could sometimes do to its environment when it was a puppy. But a lot of them, a lot of those dogs are born that way. Uh, they are betas. They are, uh, you know, very one bad experience uh, could set them back a long, long ways. Uh, those dogs are hard to do something with, and they have to have that natural talent. But they also make mistakes. They all do. And so you have to correct on them somehow. Um, you know, being able to, and that dog to take that and to move on and learn from that and not sulk and pout and hide under the ranger or the side-by-side <laughs> is super important. And so maybe it's not a natural ability thing as much as it is a trainer thing. Maybe we need to work on ourselves just a little bit better uh, to learn how to get these dogs to do what we want without making big steps backwards. We've all done it. I've done it. And pretty much everybody listening to this podcast that has worked on their own coonhound has done it. Uh, we've made training mistakes, and we forced that dog to go in reverse, which is never good. That's always, always one of the worst feelings. And you know, it, it's going to happen. But a dog that can overcome that quickly, a lot of that's genetic. Um, a, a good portion of that is how they were raised as well, I agree. But a lot of it's genetic. And so I'm not anti-man-made dog. I am pro-man-made dog. Um, how many in my, I don't know, 37 years of doing this, 38, something like that, um, and probably 20 of raising puppies and starting my own puppies have I seen just pure natural dogs just you turn them loose and they do what you need them to do very early very young with very limited training um, I've seen maybe one uh, probably well two I think I've seen two now how many puppies that have gone on to have very successful careers and a lot of longevity have I seen that had big holes that I had to help as a trainer or fill as a trainer. The rest of them, however many that is. Uh, they all need help and they all have to be able to figure out what you want, what you're trying to get out of them, and do so uh, with a short memory as far as, you know, bad experiences go 
and a long memory as far as what you're trying to get out of them. So yeah, um, it's not it's not all bad. Trainability is important. That's my thoughts on it. You guys, send me your thoughts. Josh at Joy Dog Food. I'd love to read them. Love to read maybe one or two on air and see what you guys think. Uh, man-made dog versus natural dog. Uh, yeah, we all want natural talent. But you can't get that natural talent drawn out of a dog without being able to do something to it to mold it the way you want it. So trainability, intelligence, uh, a sketch sketch. Just a skiff of hard-headedness is very important. Uh, you can't have too much of that, but, I mean, a little bit's going to help. So, yeah, send me your thoughts. Josh at Joy Dog Food. I'd love to hear them. Let's, uh, let's move on to some listener questions. So, recently, I made a little Facebook post, and I was hunting Angel, who is, oh, she would be nine and a half months old now. But, uh... No, she'll be 10 months old. I'm recording this on the 3rd. Today is her 10-month birthday. And I cut her loose a little bit before dark. Uh, I like to do the first, you know, the 30, 30 to 45 minutes before before it gets real dark out uh, to where that pup see a little better. And I like to turn young dogs loose. I don't do it with all of them. Some of them don't need it. Uh, but that first point where they're, you know, getting ready to go hunting good by themselves, I think it just kind of helps them along a little bit. Some of them, absolutely, I don't do it with. But I did do it with, uh, done it with Con. I've done it with Delta. Um, but Con was young, young, five months old, I think, and he started treeing coons in the daylight. And then I immediately took him hunting at night and I didn't bother him a bit. Uh, Delta, I made a bad habit out of her. I uh, got her going a little bit in the daylight, and I think the third or fourth day she jumped a deer right in front of me, and off she went, which is fine. I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind on trashing a little bit, but it's important that that dog has to know if you're going to turn it loose in the daylight. That dog has to know what game you're after. Uh, I don't do it until they've seen a coon and they don't, they really dislike a coon. And they know that we're hunting raccoons. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get them in trouble. But uh, the question was, this is from Randy McLarnon, and it says, On turning your dog loose before dark, are you cutting them in a woods or cutting across a field? Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I tend to cut all young dogs in the middle of the biggest field I can get to. Uh I don't care if it's a retriever, a pointer. Uh, every dog, I think, is born with an innate range where they go out and they're like, well, I need to turn around and go back. Uh, I don't care what breed of dog it is. Uh, to me, I've seen it, you know, it, it could be 10 miles, it could be 100 yards. But there's a point where them dogs turn around. Most of them, not all of them. But, uh, I mean, how many times have you heard a dog trail out of hearing in a cast and turn around, next thing you know, they're, they're headed back your way? Or they've been gone and you're still in the same area and they, they ease back towards you. You know, sometimes they're in there two, three miles and they come back in. Well, 
uh, on a young dog, I want to extend that range. I want to get them comfortable at being a certain point a distance away from me. And so the bigger the field, the better I can be because those dogs, they get tired of looking at grass after a while. They're going to go check out those trees. And so, yes, I do cut them along an open field. Uh, I do turn some of my puppies loose before daylight, especially in the summertime or before dark, before summertime, in summertime, which is the worst time to train a pup. I don't care what anybody says. They can talk about the kitten coons and all this stuff. Anyway, it's terrible. I hate training pups this time of year. I prefer spring and fall. But yeah, I turn them loose, wide open field, uh, make them go hunting, get them used to being comfortable at range, and build confidence. And it works. Um, Angel has treed, I don't know, eight or ten coon before dark now. And uh, she's getting hunted by herself at night and treeing coons now. So she's coming along quite nicely. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a good, good habit to get into for certain dogs that daylight hunting not all dogs make sure they know what a coon is uh, make sure they know what you're after and then try it i wouldn't turn them loose in the daylight if you don't want them running deer <laughs> but if they do run a deer i want them to know to stop if they trip over a coon so yeah that's my thoughts on it that's how i start a few young dogs not all of them a few I know other people that do it. Zach McBee does it. Um, some others. Yeah, it's it's a common practice. So give it a shot. You got a young dog that's running and treeing, but it won't go hunting by itself. Turn it loose a little bit before dark. Try to get somewhere where there's some coons so they do have something to find. But, uh, yeah, get them out there a little ways. All right. I've got one more question to get through. This is uh, from Joshua Douglas. Uh, for summertime feeding in this stupid hot weather, is it beneficial to feed the Maintenance Plus? Of course, we're talking about Joy. The Maintenance Plus, uh, I currently feed the high energy. Wanted to make sure to keep hounds from getting hot. All right, I have zero scientific evidence to back any of these claims up. I will say that. I'm not running around sticking a thermometer up the dog's butt, depending on when they feed and what they feed and what they eat. Um, to me, what you're feeding your dog during the summer has either either little to zero bearing on how hot they get. Uh, none. Going to have some folks disagree with me. Uh, but for instance, I feed my dogs one time a day at night. Uh, if I'm not hunting, I feed them right before bed. If I am hunting, I feed them when I get in. So you figure the next night... They are 24 hours without feed in them when I turn them loose. Uh, they're not heating up, burning calories. Or, you know, burning calories is a thing because when you're burning calories, you heat up. Uh, uh, calorie is a, is a measurement of heat. And so they're not getting any extra heat from the, the food in them. There's no food in them. They're empty. I prefer to hunt my dogs empty. Uh dogs and canines for hundreds of thousands of years have not hunted on full stomachs <laughs> or any food in their stomach they hunt when they're hungry uh, I, I mimic that with mine i know a lot of other folks do the same thing it's not getting your dogs hot in my opinion um, another thing is it's july your dog's going to get hot 
There's no preventing it. Uh, I do take precautions uh, best I can. I have fans in my dog box. I carry plenty of water and a collapsible bowl with me in the woods, whether I'm on a cast or not. Um, I like to mix the dog's treed hydration stuff, uh, the glycerol, with a little bit of water and some topper to where I know they'll drink it, some beef broth, something like that. And I give that to them if it's hot a half hour before I turn them loose. Uh, that keeps their body temperature down a little bit. But the main thing is these dogs have to be in good shape and they cannot have extra weight on them. It's important in this heat, more so than any time of the year, that that dog be in fantastic shape if you're going to hunt it. If that dog is not in fantastic shape, get it in the air conditioning somewhere, put it on a treadmill, wait till you've got cool nights, rode it on a four-wheeler, whatever. But get the extra weight off the dog, get it in good shape, and then you're going to be a lot better off. But guess what? Your dog's still going to get hot. Okay? They're going to get hot. Uh, that's part of it. Uh, you don't want to get them danger hot. Um, you really want to keep a close eye on them. Uh, you know, those hour-long cornfield races when it's 95 degrees, not good. Get your dog out of there. Get it cooled down. Get it relaxed because it is dangerous. People have lost dogs to that. A uh, dog with a lot of drive is not going to stop itself. Okay? Um, some dogs are really smart about how they tree when it's hot. Some dogs are really smart about how they run when it's hot to keep themselves from getting too warmed up, but not all of them. So you got to keep an eye on them. The main thing is not so much the formula that you're feeding. It's keeping extra weight off the dog. It's keeping the dog in good shape cardiovascularly and keeping it hydrated. That's the best you can do. Um... As far as the formulas in the summer go, there are, like, Hazel and Brandy right now get maintenance. Uh, Con still gets 2420. Uh, Angel still gets 3020. Uh, the Squirrel Dog gets 2420. Um, depends on the dog. Uh, the only reason I switched to maintenance for those two females is they got real uh, high or low metabolisms. It doesn't take much to keep extra weight on them. And so I want to, I don't want to cut my 2420 down because I wouldn't be feeding them hardly at all and they'd be grouchy in the pen because their bellies aren't full. And so I switched the maintenance for them in the summer. They'll be back to high energy when it gets cool because they're going to burn more calories in the wintertime than they are in the summertime. And so it's more of a calories in, calories out, just like it is people and activity level. And so, yeah, people will say corn heats them up or certain carbohydrates heat them up or certain proteins heat them up you know, that's all BS, in my opinion. And those guys, they don't show, they can't show me a study on coonhounds and feeding times and how hot they get either. So it hasn't been studied. We don't know. All I can tell you is from my observations, dogs that are hunted empty and watered good and fed good and kept in great shape operate better in the heat and it's less dangerous on them. That's all you can do. Uh, if the dog's an easy keeper, put it on maintenance. Uh, if the dog's a hard keeper and you're still hunting it hard, leave it on the high energy. You know, that's a very similar formulas, but different calories per cup, different protein fat levels. Both very good feeds that I f feed and utilize all the time. But uh, just keep your dog in shape. And I'm not saying yours isn't. I know this guy was just looking, you know, for... 
you know, a little, just a little question about dog food because not everybody knows that the the ingredients of the feed aren't going to make a difference as far as heat goes if you're hunting them empty. Now, if a guy's feeding them a couple hours before he turns them loose and that food's still in there, which I wouldn't recommend, then yeah, it may make them a little warmer. I don't know. And sad news is neither does anybody else. You're going to get lots of opinions on social media and maybe mine don't count any better than the next guy's, but I do hunt in the summer. Uh, I've hunted every night this week. It's been hot. And I'm going to go again tonight. And so, you know, talk them guys down south that are hunting all year. See what they're feeding, when they're feeding. Look at their dogs. See how good they're... Some of the dogs in the summertime, I want them just a touch too thin. You know, you... It's important. That's a, it's way better to be a little too thin and cool than it is a little too fat and hot because one's dangerous and one isn't you know you don't want to lose that dog heat strokes are very difficult on a dog so anyway those are my thoughts on it keep the questions coming josh at joydogfood.com i do like listening to them uh, that's going to wrap up our tree dog tuesday we will be back of course next week for this segment uh working dog wednesday tomorrow uh, got a special guest there. We're going to talk coon hounds again, I believe. That's what it's looking like anyway. Um, you guys are going to like that. Uh, lots of good stuff, great stuff coming up for Joy Dog Food and the Fueled by Joy Working Dog Podcast. So uh, appreciate you guys listening, and uh, stay tuned. We'll see you next week. <laughs>